Hello everyone and welcome to the latest in our In Conversation With podcasts where I talk to Leila Hanbeck, the Chief Executive of AIM, the Association of Independent Multiple Pharmacies. Extracts of this interview first appeared in the October the 1st edition of the Talking Pharmacy pod. Leila left the NPA to join AIM as Chief Executive in July last year, replacing the long-serving Colin Baldwin. The interview took place towards the end of last month, so some topics have been overtaken by events to a certain extent. If we were doing the interview today, for instance, and talking about flu jabs, it would be availability rather than the rather miserly fee that would be the main topic of conversation. But we covered a lot of ground nevertheless, so over the next 20 minutes or so, you'll hear Layla's views on funding and recognition for pharmacy, what she thought about pharmacy's response to the COVID crisis, what AIM members want from the right review, and what her personal vision is for the organisation. And also, funding issues apart, has there been a change of tone from NHSE as far as community pharmacy is concerned, something that gives her optimism for the future. Here's what she had to say. So Leila, thanks very much for, for joining us on the podcast. How are you and how's your, your young family? Oh, thanks Richard for inviting me to your podcast. Yeah, everything is fine. It's been chaotic, um, you know, as a new mom over the COVID period, um, it's just been anything but straightforward. Um, but I guess that's life and uh, we're all in it. And, um, and yeah, it, it's, it's just um, interesting, um, you know, being a mom during this, this sort of COVID period, but getting used to it, I guess. Good, because you've got quite a lot on your plate, fair play. Uh, but congratulations, well, really good news for you this year with, with, with the family. So that's lovely. So let's start with the, the funding situation there. What is the view of AIM members at the moment with the this latest state of play with, with funding negotiations? From AIM's perspective, obviously, we want the best thing for our members and, and for the sector. And um, we know that community pharmacies at the moment are going through a very, very tough period. Um, and, uh, you know, they've, they've shown how they've shown their worth over the COVID period and their resilience and their agility. And uh, for us to be able to move forward and, and be that sort of front door to the NHS that Matt Hancock has actually mentioned, we do need to be um, you know, receiving the, 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 the funding and the support from um, officials and decision makers in order for us to continue that. Um, I think um, this period, if anything, has demonstrated how important pharmacy is in the lives of, of, of the public and, um, you know, how um, much the teams have gone over and beyond to, to demonstrate that. But it's also demonstrated that they are struggling. They're really, really struggling. Um, we know that the PSNC have asked for... Um, the 370 million to be written off and the COVID costs and so on. And we haven't heard anything back yet in terms of like where we are with all of this. And every day that goes by, every week that goes by, community pharmacies struggle and struggle and struggle. And at the end of the day, it's the public that end up suffering because of, um, you know, we know that we could be a great asset to the NHS but if we are not sufficiently funded if you're not even getting the COVID costs covered 
you know, how, how can we survive? How can we continue being that front door to the NHS? Yeah, the, the EUI report um, really hammered that home and the, the financial situation of, of, of many pharmacies is, is dire at the moment. And is that what your, your members are telling you on the ground, that the, the financial situation for, for AIM companies is, is getting progressively worse and it's more and more of a struggle? Everybody's struggling, um, Richard. Everybody's struggling. And um, it's, it's because we are, we're trying to do everything we can to be there for our patients, to be there within the communities. But unfortunately, well, obviously, like every other business, um, pharmacists have costs too. And um, the more we do, the more costs we, you know, accumulate. And so it, it's only fair to ask, for the relevant funding to be given to community pharmacists to continue doing what we're doing and truly be there as this front door to the NHS that, that you know, the, the government has, has alluded to. Um, it's one thing saying that, um, that pharmacy, you know, plays a great role, but actually another thing to supporting pharmacy to achieving what, what we can achieve. Um, so it's, you know, every, everybody's struggling, everybody's struggling and uh, it's, it's, not, it's not easy out there. Um, and we're all waiting and, and, and hearing, okay, waiting to hear what the outcome of these negotiations are going to be. So it's turning words into actions, really, that AIM members want to see. Absolutely. Words into actions and be recognised for all the, all the great work that pharmacy teams have been doing. I mean, look at the flu vaccination service, for example, since it started, you know, pharmacy teams have hit the ground running. I mean, they, you know, we're hearing... Uh, from our members, how popular the service is and, and patients coming to pharmacy asking to be, uh, you, know, uh, you know, vaccinated and, and so on. So th- what I'm trying to say is that community pharmacy, our members deliver. They deliver. When, when we are, something is put in front of us, we go behind it and, and we get it done. And we do it with passion. But that needs to be recognised. Um, that needs to be recognised. And it's not... A, a difficult thing we're asking. We're just asking to be remunerated for the work that we put in to delivering services for the NHS so that our members are not left out of pocket um, and that we can continue, you know, doing all those great things for the NHS. For example, getting involved with the COVID vaccine and, 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 and so on and, and training our team, continue putting effort to training our teams, to developing our teams. You know, all of this require sufficient funding and support for us to be able to continue doing that. Let's talk about flu vaccination then. Very successful service in pharmacies, as you've described, 1.7 million uh, vaccinations last year. Probably old course for 1.9, maybe even 2 million vaccines this year. Is £10.8 enough of a fee? I think one thing that we need to consider is that this came out pretty late so this you know uh, we heard about uh, the remuneration when the season had already started and uh, you know as I said it's one of those things that pharmacists do have costs um, they have costs to you know manage the, the, the you know the, the, the operational stuff within the pharmacy and so whatever service that we provide the pharmacist time that goes into this the preparations that go into this and so it's it's only fair for the sector to be 
remunerated properly for the services that we provide. And uh, we've said that with um, other services, for, for example, CPCS and, and so on. And, and you know, the, the effort that goes into it will need to be proper recognized. Um, and it has to be, you know, we, we want our members to get the sort of um, information on funding and, um, you know, on, on the, 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 the specifications and all that in time so they can start preparing and so that can start, you know, putting relevant operations in place to manage it. And it's the same everywhere in, in pharmacies. We are, you know, we've got operations to run and it needs to be, we, we need the time and, and we need the relevant support and funding to manage it. Um, like any other setting. I mean, you know, GPs are the same, you know, they are also businesses that have operational costs and other costs. And uh, why should pharmacy be different? Mm. Uh, leaving aside funding for the moment, are you happy and are AIM members happy with the general direction and pace of travel with the contractual framework? They were, uh, the next tranche of, of clinical services were announced last week and, and We've got the, the rollout of the GP referral uh, to the CPCS coming up in the autumn. Is that where pharmacy needs to be or should progress be a little bit quicker? We know that the direction of travel based on the NHS um, um, agenda is uh, for pharmacy to become more clinical. We know that and we've heard that for, for years. And so the direction of travel in terms of like, you know, introducing services into community pharmacy has been in line with, you know, the, 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 you know ensuring pharmacy becomes that sort of clinical setting. Um, and um, from our members' perspective, if you, you know, we've, we've been looking at data and it's very clear that when services come out in pharmacy, our members embrace it. They embrace, um, you know, they're, they're embracing flu vaccination service, CPCS, all the other services, NMS, MURs. And so we get it done. We, we, we look at it, we, we, we make sure that, you know, our teams are briefed and, and um, we get behind it and deliver it. Now, the challenges are that we know that community pharmacy is going to get more clinical. We know that, you know, our members are, are behind it, but we need the right support. And again, coming back to the remuneration in order for, for pharmacy teams to be able to, um, you know, provide this and, and get behind it and, and, and so on. They should not be left out of pocket delivering clinical services. Um, and I know I'm coming back to this um, funding issue and remuneration issue. Um, and that is because we truly want to do something. We truly want to embrace the services. We truly want to, um, you know, go out there and become clinical. Nobody, I mean, I haven't heard from any one of my members um, saying that, oh, well, no, I don't want to deliver any services. Oh, no, I don't want to, you know, do any clinical services. No, they want to deliver that, but they shouldn't be left out of pocket. And that's why when we talk about funding and when we talk about remuneration is that basic thing that the pharmacy needs to survive. And, you know, if they don't have that, how can they go on and do more greater things when that basic thing is missing? So to answer your question, absolutely. That's the direction of travel. Um, our members are embracing clinical services, but it simply has to cover the costs. And um, that, that's how it should be. Yes, pharmacy is clearly up to the challenge and, and we saw that during COVID, didn't we? And in fact, you were, you were very, a very passionate 
advocate on behalf of AIM for the fantastic work that, that pharmacy did do in the COVID crisis and you had your Pharmacy Heroes campaign that you ran on social media. How impressed were you with the way that pharmacy coped under extreme pressures during the, the early stages of the pandemic? As you know, Richard, I'm a, I'm a passionate pharmacist um, and um, I do anything to, flag, to, to fly the flag for, for, for this sector, anything in terms of like going out there, launching campaigns on my own or whatever I need to do, standing there outside of the department, I will do that. And that is because I truly, truly believe in the fact that this sector, our members, and I have been in it myself, and I've been a community pharmacist, I've done it, I've been there, and I know every one of us, when they wake up in the morning and we go into the pharmacy, we want to do our best, and we want to deliver, and, and, and so on. And during COVID, this was so, so obvious um, in terms of like, you know, what pharmacy achieved. Just imagine in March, none of us knew anything about pandemic. We've never been in this situation before. Everywhere else, GPs close the doors and um, everywhere else is, is just shut and our teams are on the front line without having any, you know, briefings about what we need to be doing, um, no proper equipment right from the beginning when I'm referring to PPE. They put their own lives at risk going out there with this pandemic that none of us know exactly where this is going to go, how bad this virus is, what's, what's, what it's doing. We're looking at pictures from Italy and, and you know, everybody is scared, but they get up in the morning and they go to work to deliver services for the patients. And patients, you know, absolutely love that service. And that's why I wanted to launch that campaign. That's why I wanted for everyone to see that community pharmacy has that support from the patients. Yes, there were some nastiness in the beginning, you know, and I was one of the first ones that raised it in terms of like, you know, patients going into pharmacies and not being happy. And that was because, um, you know, because of the, of the challenges of, of this pandemic put on everybody and people were behaving out of character. But I, as this was going on, we could see how much, how appreciative patients were of pharmacy. And, you know, so when we launched the campaign, people were more than happy to hold up these cards and say, thank you community pharmacy teams for everything that you have done. And so we launched this on our, on our um, um, Instagram and um, you know, on, on social media, and it was picked up by the Royal family. And they thanked community pharmacy teams for what they had achieved. And to, to, to get that recognition out there on social media, it just motivates teams. Um, and that's why we were set out doing that. But COVID, if anything, demonstrated the importance of community pharmacy in the society and the services that we deliver for patients. Um, and that's something that, you know, nobody can deny. Yes, yeah, so it, it was great to get that recognition, as you say. Um, and certainly pharmacy's public profile is probably elevated as a, as a result of the, uh, the sector's response to the COVID crisis. And, and, and that, that's a good thing. Let me ask you about the, the right review. Um, where does AIM stand with this at the moment? Are you happy with the, the speed of progress? So we have been involved from the beginning in terms of like when it was announced that Professor David Wright is going to conduct this review and uh, look at PSNC and LPCs and the future representation of the sector, we got involved um, and so have been kind of commenting uh, from the onset. Um, so uh, and we've been liaising with our LPC representatives and the wider sector in terms of like, you know, how, what their views were of, 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 of the right review. And um, so 
right from the beginning, we outlined what it is that we want to see. And we wanted to see, obviously, an organization, an effective negotiator um, with um, KPIs and, you know, and, and also LPCs that are, again, um, you know, having KPIs and are efficient um, so that our members and the sector is uh, represented um, appropriately. When the recommendations came out, the 33 recommendations by Professor Wright, uh, we went through each one of those recommendations uh, one by one, and we had a select. Well, we had a, a group that comprised of um, some of our board members, our PSNC reps, and um, our um, representatives on on LPCs. Um, and so we discussed them in detail, and so we put our response out there. Um, there were some points that we definitely agreed with, um, some points that we we felt could be amended in a, in a way and some points that we disagreed with. And all of that is kind of uh, pub, uh, published and, and put out there for, for everyone, everyone to see. Now, in terms of like um, the pace of it, from my perspective, um, we need to get it right. We need to get this right. That this is, uh, you know, a review that has been, I think it started around um, autumn last year, didn't it? The first, the first time. So it's kind of coming up to a, to a year since this review started. And um, so from our perspective, we want to see it done the right way and that we are um, kind of quality and um, everything it's, uh, around quality is very important to us. And so um, I'm not going to say that, you know, let's rush into getting something um, done and sorted. What I am saying is that let's think about everything very carefully and making sure that we get this one right. Um, but what I would ask is that obviously being uh, kept in the loop about what's going on. And also from AIM's perspective, we are the voice of pharmacy groups. Um, and we believe that uh, groups have um, their own um, challenges that they're facing and, and their own, um, you know, ways of um, the way that things are done. And so we want to make sure that they are represented um, very fairly um, uh, around this whole thing. So the most important thing for us is that we get it right, that we get it right. Um, and, I, and I don't say let's rush to something. Let's make sure that we get it right. <laughs> okay, would you envisage a situation where AIM as an organisation would tell its reps on LPCs that they have to represent the interests of, of AIM member companies in the way that the, the CCA has told its members it has to, to represent CCA companies' interests? Well, to be, to be honest, I'm, I'm talking very open and openly, open and honest with you. Um, so when I joined AIM, we didn't have that much communication with our LPC representatives. I wanted to change that. I wanted to make sure that uh, we bring them in and, you know, our representatives at the end of the day, they represent the organization and our members out there. And um, I wanted them to feel supported um, and um, informed about um, what is going on so that they can do relevant representation with all the relevant information. So uh, we've started since last year, you know, boosting up our engagements with our LPC representatives and, um, you know, hearing their challenges. And in fact, we just had, um, last week, we just had uh, a Zoom call uh, with our LPC representatives, which went uh, well, I have to say. Um, and so what, what we're saying to them, I'm, I'm not, we're not saying to them what they need to be doing, but we use our sessions to or our communication to kind of let them know what is going on and hear from them what the challenges are 
and then looking at how we can support them doing effective representation on the you know locally um, because at the end of the day they are the, they are the voice of our members locally and uh, we need to make sure that you know things are done right but from my perspective we're not telling our LPCs what to do. Different local areas have different challenges. And what we want to hear is that, you know, from our LPCs to bring up those challenges to us. And then we look at it, how can we support them with those challenges and, and, and give them the relevant information. That was an interesting insight into, into AIM, really, and, and some of the things that you've done in, in your year there now, I think, or just over a year since you, you were appointed chief executive. What's your personal vision for the organization? But what do you think AIM is for? So when I joined AIM, one of the first things I said is that, um, well, I'm a, I'm a doer um, and I want to make sure that we achieve great things um, for our members, but also for the sector as a whole. And um, I want to have the opportunity to do the relevant advocacy and, um, and making sure that we get the, you know, we, we get the, the voice of pharmacy heard. Um, so the, in terms of like the vision for, for AIM, um, early on when I took on the role, we had a session with the board where we discussed about, okay, what is our vision? What do we want to achieve? And remember this was pre-COVID. We didn't know this was um, around November time and we didn't know what's going to hit us <laughs> um, in, in March. I, I wish um, we all had some sort of a, a, what do you call it? How do you call it? A glass ball where you can see the future. Um, but um, well we didn't have that and so we kind of set out the vision in terms of like we want the organization to um, be the voice of pharmacy groups um, because we believe that they have their own needs um, as, as groups and, and you know it's, it's not we're kind of in the middle aren't we we, we are kind of in the middle between uh, the smaller independents and we are um, you know with, with um, the, the, the bigger national multiples so um, and everybody has their own kind of challenges, their own uh, way of working. And um, so we wanted to make sure that our members are supported. We wanted to make sure that their voices are heard. So um, that was kind of um, the key area uh, for, for me to focus. And um, so I set out to do my advocacy work around that bit. And uh, the first thing we did is obviously got the prime minister coming and visiting one of our members. And, you know, it was good because this was in January and he's, he just won the uh, election, you know, and uh, this was the majority. So he didn't really have to come and um, meet with us to get votes or anything. He already had that. And so it was nice to get the prime minister to come and see for himself what pharmacy was like. And to be honest, you know, when I was there talking about this, the sort of things that pharmacy did, he didn't know much about what we did. Um, and that in itself, being able to kind of put across in real life about how community pharmacy, what community pharmacy does was, uh, was a good thing. And then, you know, um, afterwards, um, we started doing other work in terms of like, um, um, you know, representation and advocacy. And this was one, one thing after the other. So meeting with the, uh, with the treasury, um, meeting with, um, you know, various different um, MPs, getting MPs coming to our, our members' pharmacies because we wanted them to see for themselves what community pharmacy do, community pharmacy teams do and then the campaign and, and, and so on. So my vision for AIM and um, for the sector is that we are a, a very important workforce within the whole um, primary care and the NHS setting. And um, they don't know what they've got 
they just don't know what they've got. They don't know what valuable workforce this workforce is. And I see it as my role to chat about it and make sure that they know what they've got and um, that we get the relevant support to push forward and really truly, you know, showcase our, our worth um, to, to everyone. Um, but we're already showcasing that, but it has to be recognised. So, Leila, some people felt there was a, a possible change of tone in some of the comments made by Keith Ridge at the recent LPC conference. Do you think that NHSE are changing their approach, possibly, to pharmacy at the moment? We, um, in, in, in earlier this month, we had a meeting with um, NHS England um, Chair Lord Pryor and NHS Digital Chair um, Noel Gordon and senior executives from NHS England um, Board and um, and the Chief Pharmaceutical Officer and Ed Waller. And um, in my view, that meeting was really positive. So it was great to see that um, we could have a, a, an open an honest conversation about various different matters and highlight the challenges um, and, and hear their points of view about those challenges. So it's great that that communication is happening. And I felt that coming out of the meeting, I felt very positive. I felt that we are on the right path. Um, we have been working very hard uh, behind the scenes in terms of like um, stabbing relationships, um, working together and pharmacy obviously demonstrated during the COVID period how important, what, what an important role they play within the healthcare sector and um, in, within their societies um, and communities, within the society and communities. And so absolutely great to see this, this um, open and honest discussions happening. And we want to see that these discussions continue going forward because it can only be, you know, great for both sides because we, we believe that we are bringing value to the NHS and, um, you know, we can play a great role there in the, within the healthcare sector. And the NHS, I feel, are now recognising that there's great potential in coming to pharmacy and uh, what we can achieve together. So I'm very hopeful. I am very hopeful that, um, you know, we are going to be working together and moving forward. Um, I know that changing perceptions on both sides is not, you know, it's not always easy, but um, it has started. And whilst it may take some time for us to get to that optimum position, optimal position, the great thing is that the journey has started. And so let's move forward and, and think positively and, um, and, 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 and just keep working together. So I am positive about what is happening um, and um, I'm very optimistic. Well, Leila, whilst contractors obviously are still waiting uh, for desperate news on, on the funding situation. That's a very positive uh, way to end the interview. And, and thank you so much for joining us on the pod. Your, your family life and your professional life is, 
it's completely full on at the moment. We really appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk to us. Leila Hanbeck, thank you very much. Thank you, Richard. Thank <laughs> you.